0: Good morning, church. Good morning. See, I pause now. I used to say good morning, church, and I just start talking, and I jipped all of you guys out from saying good morning. So, good morning. Thank you for responding because it's awkward when it's an awkward silence. But sound like. But anyway, good morning. Um, my name is Kendrick, and I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church, and just wanted to. Um, this morning, we're going to continue our study of looking at the church. So we started a, our new year. We know. Uh, scripture tells us that Christ gave his life for the church if we read in Ephesians. So the church is important. So I thought this year we would start off the year by just looking at the church. We're just going to do a short little study but I think this was a good time with all that is going on just to refocus our attention to the church. And if you remember two weeks ago we looked at the church and we looked at our connection, our responsibility to the church and To sum up that sermon in just one sentence, and some of you are asking why didn't I do this two weeks ago, but to sum it up, man, you need the church, right? Just individually, you need the church. You need to be a part of the church. And then last week, we looked at the responsibility of us as the church body and and what is the role as us corporately as the church, and if we sum that up, you're important to the church, Right? You have an important role in the church, and this church, this local body of believers, depends on you. Right? Depends on you to do the mission that God has called us to do. That doesn't mean that God's mission is going to get accomplished if you don't do what, what the church is calling you to do, but we have a mission that, the, that God has given this church, and we need the body to work together and to serve. And so we looked at that last week. And so, so far we've looked at the relationship between us as individuals. Uh, with the church, we looked at the relationship of us corporately with the church. And so today, I just want to spend some time and look at what our relationship as a church is with the community. What is our ministry and our purpose to the community? And this is a topic that is always constantly debated. There are lots of theologians that discuss this, there's lots of churches that discuss this, there's communities. That, discusses that don't know anything about the Bible. But what is the role of the church? What is the ministry that the church is supposed to have to the community? Right? Some people say that we are just supposed to be a organization that provides social services to our community. So we just go around and just do social services. Other people, the other extreme side of that, say, hey, we're just supposed to get into a little holy huddle and just minister to each other and just watch our community fall deeper and deeper into sin. Right? So those are kind of the two Ends of the spectrum, but it doesn't really matter what people think. It matters what Scripture says. What are we told to do? What is the ministry of the church? And as people who follow Scripture, if people believe in the inerrant word of Scripture, we are lucky that Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit to include the ministry of the church, right? What is our purpose in a letter that he wrote to the churches in Corinth? And in his second letter that's recorded in Scripture, Paul wrote this in one verse in chapter five. He said, All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So right there, we see that we have the ministry of reconciliation. So right off the bat, great, what does that mean? <laughs> right? that, that It doesn't help if we don't know what it means. And so to help understand this, I just want to put... This letter that Paul is writing into some context so that we have context as we look deeper into this as we look at this uh, letter that he wrote, so as I 've already told you it's labeled second Corinthians, so we know Paul was writing this letter to the churches in Corinth and in this portion of this letter which actually starts in chapter four he 's talking about why he 's encouraged to do ministry in the fallen world, why he isn't courage to continue to please God and to serve God in this fallen world. And in the beginning of chapter four, Paul starts off with that God is bringing light into the world, right? God is bringing light into the world. The light and glory of God has shone on the people by the face of Jesus, right? So God is bringing light into the world. We see that in the face of Jesus, Then Paul continues stating that the resurrection of Jesus reveals the power of God. And then in chapter 5, Paul talks about how because of his faithfulness, when I say his, because of God's faithfulness, our hope in the future kingdom to come should motivate us to serve Christ, to serve our Savior, to serve our Lord, to serve our King. Because of his faithfulness, and he said, hey, this new kingdom is going to be established. We don't have to guess what's gonna happen in the future, but we can have full assurance that God, that Jesus is going to reign supreme. And so that's, all of those things are, are captured in the first couple words of verse 18 when it says, all of this is from God. That is what he is talking about. He's talking about him, God bringing in the light. He's talking about by his power these things are gonna happen. He's talking about by his faithfulness we can be assured. And as we look through those things, we realize we don't have a role in any of those things. Those are all things that are being done by God. And I think that's really important to understra- understand when we start to look at what the ministry of reconciliation is. What is this, this ministry that he has given us? Right? So let's keep that in mind. Let's keep that in mind that God; these are things that God is doing as we read Paul's entire thought. And we're just going to read these two verses It says, all of this is from God, which we just covered, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So when we look at reconciliation, we heard it a couple times in that passage, that is a phrase that Paul uses in many of his letters that we see him use several times in his letters and it is simply when he's talking about the the reconciliation, he's talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection and so he summarizes that by saying we have been reconciled or that we are to be reconciled. And then in verse 19, Paul describes exactly what reconciliation means. Reconciliation is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, and this is what it means, not counting their trespasses against them. So when we talk about reconciliation, that is what we are talking about. Throughout scripture, the Bible makes it very, very clear that people are sinners, and that by our nature, we are sinners, and by uh, action, by what we do, so by our word and by our deed and by our thoughts, that we are sinners, And because of that, we have alienated ourselves from a perfect and holy God, right? Because of our sin, we are separated from God, and this prevents all of us from a relationship with God, because if God is holy, and we're not, and we come to God, then God is not holy and perfect and pure anymore, and so it is that sin that separates us. Right, because God is too perfectly holy to have anything to do with sinners except to reject them and damn them and punish them for all of eternity. But God, right, but God, two best words that we'll see in Scripture, but God himself has made it possible for sinners to be saved, for sinners to be cured, for sinners to be reconciled, to be made right with him. And that is the good news. And when we talk about gospel, that's what it means, Good news. And that is the good news that God made a way for us to be reconciled. The good news is that the hostility with God between us and Him can now end. It can end now and forever. And it's all based upon this provision of reconciliation. We read about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is what's important to look at when we talk about reconciliation. Reconciliation is not something that we do. It is something that God has already accomplished. Right? Reconciliation is not something that we do with the Father. It is something that God has already accomplished. And as the church, our ministry to our community is the ministry of reconciliation. Right? And what that means is that we are to tell our community what God has already done. Right? We are to share the goodness of God. Right? Some churches think that they are responsible, right, for bringing light in their community, that it depends on them to bring light into their community, and they'll send out the five or ten steps on how to bring light into the community. They think it's by their power that God will win, and that if we just sit here and, and don't do anything, God's going to lose. Or they think it's by their own faithfulness to works that God's kingdom will last for eternity. And here's the problem, is that when churches have that mindset, the church becomes nothing more than another self-help or self-absorbed entity in that community. It becomes just like everything else. However, reconciliation with God can only be done by God. The ministry of reconciliation that we have been given as a church is not to tell people you need to make peace with God. You need to make peace with God. It is to tell people God has already made peace with you. Right? God has already done it. And this is the gospel that by God's grace we are reconciled. Not by anything that we have done or said, but it is by God's grace that we are reconciled. When I was reading up on this passage, Scottish preacher James Denny, He said this, he said, at the bottom, the gospel is not good advice, but good news. It is not good advice, but good news. And so as a church, how do we do the ministry of reconciliation with our community? How do we tell them about the things that God has already done? And first, right, the first thing that we can do is we can tell our testimony so that our community will hear the love of God. And as a a pastor, whenever I bring up the word testimony and I talk to people about sharing their testimony, automatically we start thinking of the worst person that we know that is now serving Jesus somehow, right? We think of some mass murderer that like kicked puppies every time he walked to school, that stole candy from kids, but now this guy is on some leper colony island in some godforsaken country, winning thousands of people to Jesus, and we think of that, and we say, oh, I don't have a good testimony, right? I don't, I don't have anything to share. But we have to remember that our testimony is not about us it's not about what we have done it's not about what we did it is strictly about what Jesus did in our lives right our testimony is about Jesus here's the important thing about your testimony that God loved you that God redeemed you despite you Right? Despite how much you tried to screw that up, how much you tried to run from God, God loved you and God restored you, God reconciled you, God redeemed you, despite all of your ugliness. To think that you don't have a testimony means, one, you don't think God is holy, or you think that you are too holy, and both of those are a sin, so be grateful that God loved you while you were still a sinner. Right? You're, you think God isn't holy enough, so it's like, ah, uh, It's okay if I'm a little messed up. Or you think I'm not messed up at all. I'm just as good as God. You're wrong. Right? God has loved you and reconciled you. Made a difference in your life. And so we are grateful that God loves the sinner. I want you to look at what Paul wrote in chapter 5. He wrote this to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 6. Paul writes this. For while we were still weak... Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. And I want you to go through this passage and I want you to highlight or I want you to underline some of these things that God did. And if you're afraid that you'll confuse what you wrote and what's in scripture, your stuff is the handwritten notes. The printed is the actual Bible. But look at some of these things that God did for you. He died for the ungodly. That's you. God showed his love for you while you were still a sinner. You were justified by his blood. He saved you from the wrath of God. You were reconciled, right? Your trespasses were forgiven by his death, right? And you were saved by his life. I, this is the important part of your testimony. This is the most important part of your testimony. Before that, you were dead in Christ. Before that, you were just a sinner. And after that, you're a child of God. You are a sinner that is made righteous. Right? We all start at the same spot. And then when God works this magic, we end up in the same spot. But it is this part in the middle and God's love that we need to share with our community. Our community needs to know that Jesus loves and reconciles all sinners not just the sinners that are like on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list right he he, his love will reconcile the detestable the murderers the sexual immoral the idolaters the idolaters, the cowardly the prideful even those who think they don't need the blood of Christ right the ungodly that's all of those without Christ He rescued you, he reconciled you, and guess what? He will reconcile other people that are like you. He'll reconcile other people that have a story like yours. Out of the four million people in LA, let's just pretend for a minute that all 10 of the top 10 FBI's most are in LA. Guess what? There are still... 3,999,990 3,999,990 people who you can start to share your testimony with, who you got a point to work from. You could say, like you, I'm not on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. Right? We've got something in common. I've got a story I could tell you about what God has done for me. A powerful testimony is not based on you, but it's based on what God has done in your life what God has done for you and what he is continuing to do for you, in our community, when they hear your testimony, they will hear about the love of Christ. That by his love, they too can be reconciled to be in a relationship with their creator. Right, so that is one way and that is the easiest way as we move through these. That is the easiest way that we can do this ministry of reconciliation with our community. It is to share our testimony Of God's love in our lives, to share our testimony of what God has already done. And the second thing that we can do is we could be united in Christ so that our community will see the power of the cross. This is something that the church gets wrong way too often. If you just look through the community, if you look through the nation, if you look through the world, the church struggles with this. We have all these descriptors on Bible-believing churches. We say this is a, a, a political affiliation Bible-believing church. This is a, this type of church. This is a, this. No, no, no. Churches should just simply be known as a Jesus church. Right? I am a Jesus church. I go to a Jesus church. The so people here are united by Jesus. Not where they fall on the political spectrum. Not what they think about mask or contemporary music or traditional music. The cross killed all of those hostilities that people try to put between us. We are united simply in the cross. We are united in Jesus by the cross. That is it. Not long ago, I was invited to this gathering at an Indian church. Okay? If you guys look at me, if you can see me, I clearly was the minority in that group. I don't speak English. All right, I'm sorry, I don't, well, I don't speak English really well either. <laughs> I, don't, I don't speak, they were actually speaking several languages, and I didn't speak any of them. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know anybody there. The family that had invited us hadn't shown up yet. Because guess what? Ethnic churches, they run late too, right? So nobody was there that I knew, but there was this group of people, and they were talking. I had no idea what they were talking about, but there were some that were talking in English, and they were talking about cricket. I still had no idea what they were talking about. Now, I remember when I was actually in Africa. I was in Sudan. I got sick. And so I had to fly. I got medevaced out and I went to Kenya. And I was in Kenya for three days in a hospital bed. And I watched African Sports Center for three days. And my sole purpose was to learn how to play cricket. I failed. Right? I watched three days, 72 hours. I watched Sports Center on cricket. I have no idea. No idea what is going on. So they were talking about this. Right? And then this one guy came up to me. I'd never seen him before. Never met him before. He came up to me and he looked at me and says, are you a brother in the Lord? Yes. And he said, hey, tell me how you came to know the Lord. And it was actually really cool because I started sharing my testimony with this guy who actually was born and raised in India. He didn't come to, to the United States till so he was uh, an adult. And as I'm telling my testimony, he's like filling it in. And we're realizing that like, hey, we have a similar testimony. We have a similar of what God has done. And we're sitting there and we're kind of, it was kind of a unique experience. It was so awesome. But we're like oh we're united and so we're talking We're having this great old time and then some guy Walks by that he knows and he says Hey I want to introduce you to Kendrick and he Introduces us and the guy says Hey is this your friend and, and Listen to what the guy said that I was talking to that was Sharing my testimony he He said no He's not I, I actually just met him But we are brothers in the Lord together and so we sat there and we started all telling about our testimony. We're telling about what God has done in our life. And we were all like best friends. And I had this empty plate of food because they eat all the time, not just after the service, before or after. And I just remember the guy said, hey, let me take that plate to the trash. And I thought, oh, okay, that's normal. And as he was holding the plate, he said, hey, I'm going over there. Why don't you just take my food? Why don't you just take my plate? Right? We are brothers in the Lord together. Right? These guys didn't know anything else about me. They didn't know if I liked hymns or contemporary music. They didn't know if I used like a King James Bible or an NIV Bible. They didn't know how I voted in the last election. And none of that cared because we were brothers in the Lord. Right? Because we were following Jesus. All that other stuff just did not matter. We started at the cross. And we said, man, we're brothers and we're united. And we just worked out from there. Right, it is the cross that broke down those walls that separate us. Right, it is the cross that brought us together. And when our community looks at the church, do they see like, "Oh, that's the Crips and that's the Bloods," or do they see people that are united by the cross that are following Jesus? I want you to listen to what Paul wrote in his letter uh, to the Ephesians, to the Ephesus church. That's Peter Church. Paul, look what he wrote this, right? Paul writes this letter to the church in Ephesus. And you guys have to understand that the church in Ephesus was much more diverse than the churches here. This was made up from people from all over the political, the economical, and the ethnic spectrum, right? We had slaves and rich people, right? We had Jews and Gentiles. We have all of these people together in this church, and Paul writes this to them. He says but now in Christ Jesus you who were once far out, far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two so making peace and through the cross thereby killing the hostility It took a cross to break down the barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles, right? To reconcile these two groups that were alienated from each other, that did not get along, that would never mix. It took the cross to bring them into one body, to bring them into the church. And if we've all heard that familiar uh, Christian saying that we say in weddings, it says that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder, let no man take apart, let no man separate. And as we mentioned earlier, Christ died for the church. Christ prayed, and and John, we see Christ prayed for the unity of the church. Christ brought this church together, and it is extremely important that as followers of Jesus, we labor to protect and preserve and display that unity to our community. The unity that Jesus secured at the cross It is a spiritual unity, right? It is hard to see. It is not visible. But at the same time, there must be a visible expression of that unity to our community. Right? The unbelieving world should look at the church and realize that there is something unnatural happening there. That there is something different there than the rest of the world. That there is something that unifies people more than anything else. And our visible unity should point unbelievers to the power and the work of God of Jesus on the cross. As a church, our unity should be something that makes people marvel, right? Should make people say there is something different, that the cross and Jesus and the things that they talk about, they have to be true because look at how they're living. Look at that church. In Paul's day, man, the dividing, the line between the Jews and the Gentiles, it was huge. And we really don't have anything that, that is comparable today in our world. We don't see that. As much as we want to try and put things, we have two structures, two civilizations pretty much, two cultures that were living on top of each other. But the world took notice when Jews and Gentiles, when the rich and the poor, when the has and the has-nots would come together and worship together. Right? And if, if the church could display to the world the unity between these groups, that Christ secured on the church in the first century, it should be able to do the same today. Right? The power of the cross does not weaken. Right? Today we should have that unity. Think of how powerful our witness would be as a church and all of our differences if we were united in our witness to the power of the cross. Think of our testimony. Think of what that says to the world. When people want to come in and divide us, and we just start off by saying, Well, no, we just follow Jesus, right? We just lift Jesus up. We just focus on Jesus. That is our starting point. We don't start from all these weird things that just don't matter. We start at Jesus. We start at the cross. We work out from there. So we do ministry of reconciliation when we share our testimonies, right, in our communities. We hear the love of Christ and what he has done in our life. Right? And we are united in Christ. Our community sees the power of the cross. Right? This isn't something Jesus is going to do. This is something that Jesus has already done. And our life shows that. Our life demonstrates that. That we have faith. That we have belief. That we trust that the power of the cross is enough. And third, we display that what God has done when we are gracious to our community. Right, when we are gracious to them, when we are gracious to our community, they will experience, right, somehow they'll experience some little part of the grace of the gospel. One of the greatest joys in being a pastor is being able to participate in so much that the church does in our community, and so how grace, gracious all of you are. There are times when I get to just be the face of it, but it's really everything that you have done in our community, right? Many of you see it on a small scale. Maybe you you were at a hospital with me and you went and did a hospital visit. Maybe you were a part of a funeral for somebody in our community and you get to see how grateful they are for the, the gracious way that we treated that family. Maybe you helped lead a Bible study in our community which led to a family forgiving each other after years and years of grief and fighting. Right, we had people in our church that were leading a Bible study off campus, people that don't come to church, people that want to know Jesus, and they were sharing the gospel, and these people came into a relationship with Jesus, they were reconciled with Jesus, and then the family was reconciled together. Right, maybe you've gotten to pray with somebody after one of our events. All right? We did an outreach event where we ministered and cared for somebody, we got to pray for somebody as they received Jesus. All right? There's just so many opportunities where you are gracious to our community and so so many of people in this church so many of you contribute your time and your resources to share your grace with our community to share our love with our community and if i'm being honest it's not always easy right sometimes it takes time sometimes it takes sacrifice sometimes it takes doing something maybe you don't want to do most of the time when we do something, uh, it doesn't go like we plan. Sometimes I always come to, I'll come home and I'll say, hey, Melissa, when God gives us an opportunity to be his hands and feet, he really shows us the pain of the cross sometimes. Right? He really gives us that opportunity. You want to be like Jesus? Let me help you experience this. And it's hard. And so how do we do this so earnestly? Why do we keep doing this? How can we keep doing this? Well, It's simple. It's by God's grace. It's by God's grace that we can share with our community. It's only the gospel that generates such this inside-out affection of service for others, of love for others, right? Jesus told us that love God and then love one another. Thanks, somebody read the Bible. Love God, love one another. We got to love others. Like That's something that we are supposed to do. And God, when he works in us, he changes our heart, he changes our life, and we have this love for others. We delight to love others others right our heart is overflowing with the grace that we have been shown that we can hardly wait to share the grace with our community to share the grace that we have been shown to those in our community right to to have them experience somehow maybe just a little part of the grace that has completely changed our lives we want to share it with them somehow that he's given us and. As I was trying to word this and phrase it, it's really hard, right? Because there's nothing that matches the grace of Jesus in our life. But as I was going through scriptures, a passage, and Paul didn't write this one, Peter wrote this one, And Peter, in his letter, he writes this, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever amen All right when we act as God directs right when we help when we serve when we love our community, Jesus is glorified. Right? Jesus is glorified. Jesus is given the glory for the grace that we are showing those in our community. And as I was reading this, I wonder if Peter was thinking of the words that Jesus wrote when Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. The opportunities to show our community, the grace of God, are endless. I remember we were at a conference and one pastor he just challenged everybody. He looked at everybody and said, you know, people are looking to do evangelism events. People are, are looking to share the gospel with their communities and with their neighbors. And he said, here's what you have to do. Just look around. The opportunities to share the gospel in your community are endless if we just look around. Just look around at our own communities and we have this ability to share to tell others of the gospel right maybe it's through our words and our testimony maybe it's through our actions that we can reflect at god's grace that we can show people the glory of god right so through our words and through our deeds we can do this ministry of reconciliation right the the gospel is not reconcile yourselves We don't need to go into people and just be beating them with the Bible. Hey, you need to do this and this and this. That's not the gospel. The gospel is be reconciled, right? Receive reconciliation from God. God has already accomplished it. And if you go through, if you go back to that passage in in 2 Corinthians and you, you read through it again, you can hear Paul's heart and his conviction at the end. I don't miss this, that Paul Is preaching. Paul says this, and all this is from God and those who Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Listen to this plea that Paul makes in verse 20. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Right? Be reconciled. That is our plea to our community, that you would be reconciled to God, that you would look, that you would see, that you would experience what God has already done to reconcile you, which God has already done to make things right. right we are in, a, we're in Los Angeles, California. Right, we are in a, a community that you don't have to look far to see people that are hurting, to see people that are searching for answers, to see people that are looking for hope. And we have a ministry of reconciliation. You know what we have to do? We have to tell them where that hope is. We have to show them where that grace is. Church, look at the opportunity that we have to be ministers of reconciliation. We got people everywhere that we can share the love of Jesus with. right? We got people everywhere that are just looking. They're looking for something different. right? They're looking for people who believe and live like they say. They will only see that when they know what Christ has already done. Right, as our church, our ministry to our community is to share the gospel with words and with deeds so that they will hear and see and experience the love and the power and the grace that comes in knowing Jesus. How We are to tell them so that they will know what God has already done. So that they will know what has already been accomplished. Because sometimes we talk about reconciliation, we think about us, and we know we can't do it. And we start to lose hope. But in the ministry of reconciliation, we're not talking about us. We're talking about what God has already done. And so church, as we go throughout this week... Right, and sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to church on Sunday morning, so I'm going to see what Kendrick has to say. I'm going to sing, do sing songs with the church, and we're going to play church, and then I'm going to leave. Here's the truth, church. You are the church, right? This is where we get encouraged. This is where we look at word. This is where we go in our relationship. But you are the church when you walk outside those doors. Right, if everybody in here just share, just think about it. You say, well, I can only know five people I can share my testimony with. Right, count the people in here. Right, in a month, thousands of people would hear and know what God has already done. Think of the people that are looking at this church and seeing if we believe in the unity of Christ. right? If we love Christ enough that Christ prayed for the unity of the church, we said, you know what, that's important to me. I can set other things aside, but I can't set the cross aside. I can't set Jesus aside. I am unified with my brothers and sisters in Christ, and that is my priority. Man, We got opportunities, church. We got opportunities to tell people and to show people the love of Christ and what Christ has already accomplished. So when we leave today, you don't stop being the church. You don't leave the church. Right? When you leave here today, we go out into the world to be the church, right? And to practice. Like a doctor practices medicine, we get to go out into the world and practice the ministry of reconciliation and to tell people about the work that Jesus has already done. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this building that we can come to, that we can be encouraged, that we can worship. Lord, we are so grateful for the work that you have done that called us to you, that allowed us to be a part of the body, that allowed us to be the church. And Lord, we just pray that when we walk outside these doors, we would be the church, right? That you would open our eyes to see people and to love people the way that you did, the way that you do, that you would give us the strength, right, to to serve and to work and to show others the same grace that you showed us. Lord, we pray that when we go out there, we would be able to just just sing of your praises to the the masses of how great and how glorious, glorious you are. Lord, we pray that when we leave here, we would be the church and speak of the reconciliation and the work that you have done for each of us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your son's powerful and gracious and merciful name of Jesus that we ask all of these things. Amen.